Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mm. Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. I'm joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. The Talking Tide podcast coming to you twice weekly in the fall as we cover this 2023 Alabama football season. You can get us at Apple Podcasts or wherever wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. We're on YouTube and Facebook Live as well. The Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. Give us a follow there. You'll get instant links uh, to all of our podcasts right there on the Twitter feed. I want to thank Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa and Heat Pizza Bar, our two fine local sponsors here in Tuscaloosa. And with that, Travis, we get underway here on a Sunday nighter to recap Alabama's 24-21 to homecoming win over the Arkansas Razorbacks, a game that looked well in hand at the half, looked even more well in hand when Alabama popped a field goal to extend that lead even further to 24-6 at the time. And then you kind of blink your eyes and it's a three-point game and Arkansas has got the ball near midfield. They do, and you said it. Alabama looked like it was really exerting its will in the run game on those first couple of possessions of the second half. But you only get three points out of both of those possessions. You have the big face mask penalty on Jalen Key. That provides life to the Arkansas team and K.J. Jefferson. K.J. Jefferson, not a guy you want to leave around. You know, when you have an opportunity to really put your foot down on him, and I know, Arkansas has been in all these games. We talked about it, but that's due in large part to the quarterback, KJ Jefferson, because when you look at this Arkansas team with a different quarterback, it's not pretty, I don't think, but Alabama did enough down the stretch, kind of survived itself once again, and there it is still atop those SEC Western division standings with a couple of big ones coming up. 4-0 4-0 in SEC play, halfway through that SEC schedule, unbeaten. And, of course, Tennessee up next. We'll be taking a close look at uh, the third Saturday in October showdown against the Vols for our midweek podcast. But uh, as we look back at this Arkansas win, Travis, uh, you start with, you know, like you said, the running game. We saw a couple more uh, backs, right? Little little action from Miller and Haynes, which we really hadn't seen uh, much of here of late. So interesting to see. And Nick Saban asked about that in the post-game presser. Uh, he said all along those two guys are ready to play, uh, and we still hadn't seen them. But I thought both of those guys gave Alabama a little bit of juice in the second half. And, of course, it was a, a pretty good game for, for Williams and McClellan as well. Pass protection, again, an issue. It's going to be an issue all year at this point. I don't know why anybody would think otherwise. Jalen Milrow, uh, takes five sacks. I saw this crazy stat, Travis. I didn't independently verify it, but I, I don't doubt that it's true. Milrose, the first FBS quarterback, apparently, to take four or more sacks in seven straight games in 20 years in the whole <laughs> FBS. Um, so, 
it's a lot. And, and, you know, there are still times where if, if Jalen had more of an innate ability to kind of feel pressure or kind of sense that, look, they're bringing five here, they're bringing six. I got to get the ball out hot. You still see some instances where he has like shallow crossers that he just doesn't hit. You know, he doesn't have that sort of Bryce Young type of ability that way. And, and I'm convinced as much as anything, a lot of that you're born with. I understand some of it is developable, I guess, if that's a word. But uh, it was largely the left tackle position, once again, on Saturday. Uh, even by most quarterback standards, you're, you're going to have a hard time getting the ball out. You also had a pass protection uh, situation on one of those with uh, Justice Haynes, a little bit of a soft edge to the other side. Uh, but you're right. I, I don't know what to tell Alabama fans at this point. I, I guess if you want to think about it in these terms, at least J.C. Latham's healthy. Because if you lose J.C. Latham, you start thinking about your offensive tackle spots then. Right, right, no question. And, Let, and Latham's had a fine year. It begs the question a little bit. I think you and I have touched on this uh, in a couple of other podcasts. A little bit of a head-scratcher why Latham wasn't moved to the left side to handle that blind side straight from spring practice, um, which was – I talked to him about it at the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans, and at that time he told me he was excited about giving it a whirl over there on the left side. Never really happened. Uh, never did play on the left side in a spring or fall scrimmage that I'm aware of. For whatever reason, uh, they just decided that that J.C. is is better off on the right side. And, and look – the whole left side, right side thing is maybe a little bit overrated because nowadays you, you, you see big time heat from both edges, but it still makes a difference when the quarterback's right-handed and can see it coming from the right side, as opposed to uh, Milrow uh, being a right-handed quarterback. When he catches it from the left side, he he uh it 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 catches him blind i mean and you know it's uh it, it makes it it makes it more difficult makes it more dangerous in terms of turnovers right you're going to see more fumbles pop out on a blind side hit so you know these are all things that factor into it yeah and you know you're right in today's game you see offenses go empty with five man protection so both your tackles have to be able to protect but there's also still huddle and things like that out there, tape, where your upcoming upcoming opponents, when they see the weaker of your two tackles, where do you think they're going to try to get their best pass rushers matched up? I mean, look at Landon Jackson for Arkansas on Saturday. Where did just about everything he did right. uh, come in the game against Alabama? It, it came against those left tackles. Elsewhere, offensively for Alabama, a couple of big shots from Milrow in the first half. Obviously, uh, the big touchdown pass to Kobe Prentice, 79 yards. Hit Jermaine Burton for another deep one along the right sideline on that home sideline. I think that went for 44. Over the top to Niblack for 29 yards and another touchdown. There's a comfort level, and, and it's somewhat surprising, I guess, because for a team that struggles in pass protection as much as Alabama does, you wouldn't think the long ball would be much of an option. Uh, but when they are able to get time, and look, sometimes when they get time for these deep shots, they got seven guys in there protecting, sometimes even eight. And so, you know, that, that, that certainly changes things from a protection standpoint. 
it changes things for Milro too, because the more you do that, the more you might only have two or three options to throw to. Uh, but definitely Milro and Burton especially seem to have developed some chemistry with that long ball, Travis. Yeah, the deep ball to Prentice, I want to say, was maybe five-man protection. At most, it was six because of what you just said made me think of that. They were able to get different guys out into the route which draws the attention of a couple of safeties to your tight end who's able to get out in the route. And because of that, you got a double move with Kobe Prentice and he's wide open in the middle of the field. So it, it does matter, you know, whether you can block with five, six or seven, because it does alter things potentially in what you're able to do when it comes to throwing the football. But yeah, the explosive plays, man, you know, Talked about this after the game, too. That three-play sequence there late in the first quarter where you went run for nothing, you went shotgun snap off of Jalen, who wasn't expecting the snap, and then you hit a 79-yard deep ball for a touchdown. Yeah. That's Alabama offense 2023. If you want to know what this offense is right now, uh, this is it. That's it. The dropped pass bugaboo came out again in the second half, too. Uh uh, Benson with a big drop, certainly in the second half. He wasn't the only one. We saw um, we saw Ja'Cory Brooks with a little drop on a screen. That one maybe not quite so costly, uh, but that's – and look, the wide receiving core, for the most part, has cleaned that problem up from last year, but you didn't like to see that spring back out uh, against the Razorbacks. No, and it had been, as you said, it had been so good, really, um, for the first five, six games of the season – you know, Hale had a tough one in the middle of the field, uh, went up and tried to high point it. I thought Jalen could have put the ball on him a little bit better. And Jalen wasn't particularly accurate in the second half in his own right. But uh, that was one that stood out. I, I think some people would view that as a drop. I thought that was more of a 50-50. That was more of a credit Hale if he is able to finish that catch because he went up so high and controlled his body so well. And then the ground is such a, immovable object man the way some of these guys go into the turf uh it was a tough one but yeah uh some guys that that did some good things jacory did a couple of good things right um he had the explosive that you talked about earlier on a third and 15 uh kind of early in the game second quarter i want to say right. and then he also did some good things from some sort of condensed formations they motioned him back in were able to get some some blocking from him in some good spots too Still not seeing much of any screen game from Alabama this season, Travis. In your opinion, is that a function of maybe they just don't feel like this offensive line is athletic enough to get out and block in space? Uh, or is there more to it than that? Because there's other ways to get a screen game going, too. I mean, you can throw a screen into, into trips, right? You, there's other ways to do it. They don't have a quick game, really. You know, like you talked about, like we saw with Arkansas even on Saturday. Arkansas able to get the ball out to the flanks quickly. We've seen that from Alabama in the past. We know it's in the Alabama playbook. Uh, but this offense, for whatever reasons, uh, maybe it has to do with the offensive line when it comes to maybe more of a traditional string, screen game because you know they want to get the ball to these backs. Now, they've talked all offseason and into the season about how good they feel about their backs. You know, the screen game would seem to be it. So, you know, it could be that it's a combination of things. Maybe it's the offensive line. Maybe it's something that Jalen's just not comfortable with. 
you know, we don't see much RPO throws from Jalen either. We don't see right. quick game throws. We don't see RPO throws and we don't see traditional screen game throws. So what does that really leave you with? That leaves you with some play action and mostly intermediate to deep throws. I mean, that's essentially what their passing game is. All right, uh, offensively for Alabama, too. I thought it was encouraging, Travis, the way they – and defense, too. Let me back up. The last seven minutes of the fourth quarter uh, was where Alabama was able to nail this thing down and kind of stem that Arkansas comeback. Arkansas drove the ball, I think, from its own eight to about its own 44 uh, on their last possession. And then as soon as they got near midfield, Alabama was able to stone them force a punt, Sam Pittman uh, decided to go, I guess, a little bit conservative there, figured he could maybe get the ball back, uh, which is understandable because Alabama only scored three points the whole second half. So if you're Sam Pittman, yeah, I guess you do go ahead and punt there and and, and play defense. Uh, But then Alabama takes over the football, Travis, with I think about roughly five and a half minutes left to go in the game, and they squeezed out every tick on that clock to, to finish it out with a couple of key third down conversions uh, uh, in the running game. They did. Jalen had Passing the one scramble. Yeah. Jalen had the one scramble on a third and three that was preceded by, he actually swung the ball uh, for one of the few times to the back uh, hit Jace out there. Jace did a nice job after the catch picked up five yards. Jalen was able to convert a third and three with his legs uh, and then the offensive line and Jace McClellan did a nice job. Now, you know, you also saw some of Roydell in there in that possession, but uh, I give Jace a lot of credit in some of these in-game scenarios the last couple of weeks. He is, he's been really good. He's been physical. Um, you've seen him try to provide leadership to the, to the offense in those situations as well. And so he's been exactly what you need a veteran back to be. And he's I taking was- care of the ball. You know, right. we, we haven't talked about that really all season. These guys haven't put the ball on the ground, man. And you think about the shot Jace took on the one run on that last possession, that right. little inside zone they ran and that safety for Arkansas at the snap just started running downhill yeah. and drilled him. I mean, that could have been a turnover right there, you know. And so it's the things we don't talk about sometimes that are the biggest. Uh, no doubt. All right, uh uh, McClellan's been outstanding in ball security. Really, all all the backs have defensively for Alabama only give up 250 yards for the entire game, Travis. So for a, for the game to be as close as it was, Alabama's defense I thought did a really good job. Got a lot of pressure again on the quarterback on Jefferson. Uh, had had the one play that Saban mentioned in the post game where Terry and Arnold had him uh, pretty much around the back and got slung. 360 maybe that was 720 degrees it, it might have been twice around but Jefferson was able to throw him off Dallas Turner was asked about that in the post game he said look that it's like me trying to sack Will Anderson that's what <laughs> that's that's what he said about what Arnold uh, went through on that play but uh, um, nevertheless Alabama wasn't able to get some pretty good heat on him and and I thought defensively played played really well overall they were in great shape until the 15-yard penalty on key. I mean, they were yeah. off the field with an 18-point lead. Arkansas was ready to go get on the plane. That's what Arkansas looked like to me. And you get the 15-yard penalty, then you get another 15-yard penalty. So that drive, you're talking about 30 yards and free yards. Mm-hmm. Now, there were some things in between all of that that Alabama could have done 
to have helped itself. Uh, and Jefferson is, man. I mean, he is a, a tough, tough dude to tackle, and it usually takes more than one. You know, I, I give some of these guys credit. I think Tresman Marshall got him on the ground there on a blitz in the first half. But if you're 190 to 200 pounds, you know, this guy has a way of kind of just settling, anchoring, and it will shake you. He, he, yeah. he has a knack for it. You know, Bryce Young was amazing that way. Because think about how much smaller Bryce Young is than K.J. Jefferson. And we saw Bryce do it against Texas when Texas mm-hmm. brought a corner. And he was able to shake that corner and make the big play late in Austin a couple of years ago. So uh, it's not something every quarterback can do. But I guess if you're 240 plus, it, it's something you're more likely to be able to do. Just not a lot of help for K.J. Jefferson on that Arkansas offense. No. Not a lot of help up front. The offensive lines had a terrible time. Even compared to last year. And last year, you know, that wasn't exactly Florida State 99 uh, or Alabama 2018. Yeah, and when it came to supporting cast, but man, that as I said earlier, you take KJ out of that mix and just put the typical Arkansas quarter. You put Casey Dick in there, you know some <laughs> of these guys from the past. Yeah, yeah, that's forty-four to seven. Brandon Allen Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I like Brandon there. Allen. I thought the Allen brothers were maybe a little undervalued, but yeah, yeah, that that's 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 a good one too. That was when that was when Brett Bielema decided he wasn't just going to ground and pound. Because remember when Bielema hey, first got there, he was all about that offensive yeah. line, all about going to grind you out. And then and then those Allens come in there and they're throwing forty five balls a game. Yeah, Dan Enos was there before too. Aaron yeah. Enos, you know, yeah. they were they were airing it out for sure. That I think it was the two thousand when the two thousand maybe sixteen game in Fayetteville. That was a wild one. A lot of points in that one. With Jalen Hurts and those guys, you're be- you're so much better than I am about remembering specific. I think Minka games. had three picks in that game, maybe in Fayetteville in sixteen. I, I take your one. word for it. Yeah, yeah. I think you, I don't know. I'm getting old. You, man. Yeah, you, yeah, you've got a memory. Uh, you got a hell of a memory when it comes to uh, hearkening back to. Yeah, just games don't ask me my anniversary. You know when my anniversary is. <laughs> I'm good. We've all that. only got so much room up there for data, <laughs> Travis. Uh-huh. But it's special worked. teams. Yeah. Uh, real quick for Alabama, Riker comes up big again. Burn up off that pulled muscle. No worse for the wear. He was launching punts. He's looking like the new J.K. Scott. I mean, he's he's banging him 50 yards like it's nothing now. And uh, Riker comes up big once again. Becomes the SEC's all-time leading scorer. I think Riker needs. 44 more points to be the NCAA's all-time yeah. leading scorer. What a what an honor uh, yeah. that would be. And then, of course, Arkansas comes in with Cam Little, hits this 55-yarder. That thing would have been good from 65, Travis. That would have been that would have broken the uh, you know the Missouri kicker just busted Kevin Butler's old field goal record a few weeks ago. Uh-huh. Cam Little's 55-yarder at Bryant Denny that would have blown that field goal out of the water. 100 years ago, Arkansas had a kicker by the name of think of Steve Cox, but this was back in the era when they got to use just about any kind of football they wanted to. And they were kicking off the two inch tees and the goalposts were like six feet wider than they are now. All these things have changed since the seventies and eighties. I think Steve Cox kicked one, maybe 69 (laughs) back in the day, but you're right, man, that kick by Cam Little and the 49 yarder was the same way. But the 55 was especially impressive because it hit up in the E in Allstate, in the net. Yeah. So, I agree. That thing was 
Cam Little's only a junior. He might be a three and out. That was a big time boot. No question about it. All right. uh, Here on the Talking Tide podcast, we're going to move on and thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. Going to start by telling you all about Heat Pizza Bar and that fantastic pizza uh, that Frank Fleming and his staff are throwing out there at Government Square Plaza, downtown Tuscaloosa. Uh, You just can't beat it. Uh, You've got, see if I can pull this. At the menu here, Travis, and it's it's so diverse, um, so much to choose from. If you're a pizza lover, there's something for everybody. They've got the perfect pepperoni. They've got the margarita. Those are your traditional pizzas. They've got the house standard, which is fantastic. They've got a meat lovers, a barbecue chicken, and then they've got uh, the Thai chicken, the buffalo yeah, that, chicken, the chicken bacon that's ranch. That's the one. Getting them in there. Yeah. yeah, no question about it. Daily specials as well. $9 Thai chicken pieces on Tuesdays from 2 to 6 p.m. Also, outstanding drink specials going on pretty much all day until close Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And, of course, happy hour, 2 to 6 p.m. Sunday. ton of flat-screen TVs over there. As always, you can check out all the football action uh, right over there at Heat Pizza Bar, 2256 Street, downtown Government Square. As I've moved into the golden era, I've become more of a wine drinker. So that Styles cocktail there at Heat, if you haven't tried that, you need to do that. And, of course, you need to try Peterbrook Chocolatier at Tuscaloosa as well. You've probably already tried Peterbrook. But if not, get by and check them out. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All those great choices for you once you walk into the store and that aroma from that chocolate wheel churning out that fresh chocolate that is going to be used on those fresh strawberries, making those uh, specific gifts for you. If you've got a a client, maybe a customer, maybe just a loved one or a good friend that you want to present with something very specific in chocolate, Peterbrook Chocolatier at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa, We'll take great care of you. All right. The Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network, the Twitter feed, Talking Underscore Tide. We are going to look around the SEC really quickly, then we'll take a dip into that two deep tumbler before we get out of here. Around the league, Travis, uh, most interesting, Tennessee 20-13, to 13, a home win for the Vols. Uh, kind of sets up a, a, a nice little showdown. Both teams with one loss going into that Alabama-Tennessee game this weekend at Brian Denny, uh, but the offense for Texas A&M sputters once again, just 13 points. And look, t- Tennessee can play some defense. I get it. That, that That's, 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 that's a tough place to score points this year anyway. Uh, but man, if you're Jimbo Fisher, uh, you're, you you got a lot of explaining to do Travis. And Bruce Feldman, by the way, reporting that they're going to come up with that 77 mil if he doesn't get it done this year. 77 mil on a buyout, Travis. I think that would like triple the record if, a lot if of, uh, they ran them off. A lot of money in those tall buildings in Houston and Dallas, Chase. A lot of money in the tall buildings. You know, they'll, yes. just, they'll just pass around that brass platoon they have. <laughs> Tell the boys and gals, fill it up, they'll say, you know. Uh, it's tough because you bring in Bobby Petrino, too to help you out with the offense. And I get it, Connor Wiegman's out. But Max Johnson's a guy that's played a good bit of Southeastern Conference football. Um, and the biggest problem I see with A&M, though, is up front. You know, they couldn't block Alabama. 
they couldn't block Tennessee and what I saw of that game on Saturday. And you know, Max Johnson is a solid quarterback. He's also not a guy that's going to really threaten defenses down the field as much. Uh, so you can get him in sort of these windows where that offense can can be in a tough spot. But it's going to be very interesting to see how this A&M team finishes the season. Yeah, he, Johnson's an anticipatory thrower, right? And, and Bobby Petrino can work with guys like that. He's had success with guys like that. But the but the problem with that is if you're a little off with some of that anticipation, that ball can be going the other or way. A lot, a lot of pressure too. Yeah, he, he he is he is a crafty runner. He's not particularly athletic, but again, you know, he reminds me kind of Mike Shula of 2023 when Mike was a player at Alabama. Mm. You know, Mike could do a lot of those same things, but when it came to really pushing the ball down the field, that's where this A&M offense has its problems and that's that's a problem because they've got weapons. They've got guys at wide receiver. LSU 48 to 18 over Auburn Travis that one not particularly close. This LSU offense just looks unstoppable and they've got their problems on defense. Uh, but, man, another 550 or so yards against AU for this uh, LSU group. Jaden Daniels, another big game for the Tigers. They've got the running game going. They've got the receivers. Um, it's a it's a scary-looking game for anybody. And, and you know, again, uh, they've, they've got a lot of work to do on defense. Giving up 18 to Auburn. Doesn't mean they've fixed anything on that side of the ball because Auburn just can't move the ball uh, consistently. But uh, it's a juggernaut of an offense down there in Baton Rouge. There's no doubt about that. You said it. They got the run game going now. Uh, Daniels, in his own right, can do it with his legs. You know, He doesn't need a lot of help, but they're getting that right now uh, from the traditional run game. And, yeah, I'm with you. You know, going against – Auburn's offense right now is the equivalent of a trip to the health resort for defenses that need it. So we'll see about the LSU defense, um, but it's a matchup, no doubt. A couple of three Saturdays in Tuscaloosa has all the makings of being highly, highly anticipated. Missouri 38-21 over Kentucky. That was a uh, SEC East battle of uh, two teams that entered with one loss. Kentucky now with two losses. Uh, somebody going to ask Mark Stoops how big of an NIL war chest it'll take to beat Missouri on that radio show this week? Is he going to get that question? You know, <laughs> there, there's people that tell you Missouri's actually done a really good job in NIL. I know, right? Uh, yeah. It's still Mizzou at the end of the day. But, yeah, that looked like – Kentucky kind of looked like we've seen teams look like after they've played Alabama the previous week. That's what Kentucky kind of looked like as that game wore on after playing Georgia the previous week. And it wasn't like Kentucky got off to a especially slow start, but just seemed to wilt and fade as that game moved along. Hey, Missouri's a good team, man. Brady Cook at quarterbacks having a great year. Luther Burden at wide receiver, uh, one of the best in the country. And defensively, though, compared to the previous year or two, that's where Mizzou's made the most strides. Yeah, Burden's big time. There's no doubt. I believe he was recruited by Alabama, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. But uh, uh, he's a big time target for Brady Cook, and and Cook's a guy who can who can run a little bit. Probably doesn't get enough credit for gutty. his athleticism. He's a gutty runner. You know? Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll sell it out. He'll sell it out for old state. You, you know, he's that kind of runner. <laughs> 
All right, let's jump into this two deep tumbler really quick before we get out of here. We'll see who pops out. Sure, it'll be somebody we've already discussed because <laughs> that's how the tumbler works. Um, you know what? 88 came out of the tumbler. That's Miles Kitzelman, but we've already had Miles. Uh, we did Miles earlier in the summer, so I'm I'm expelling him. I'm throwing him out. I'm gonna get another number out of here. Maybe we could do like in there. retro 88s. Maybe we can do like Marco Battle, you know, or Kenny Smith, <laughs> there you go. The defensive lineman from years ago. Yeah. Yes, yeah, Marco Battle, uh, yeah. late late 80s. Yes, yes, he was on that 89 right? team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 56 out of the out of the tumbler. Seth McLaughlin, the Alabama center, much maligned in September with the shotgun snaps, and I guess. You know, that problem's lingered a little bit, but at least lately, Travis, it seems like um, that that shotgun snap problem, I'm not going to say it's been cleaned up, but it's less of a problem, let's say, than it was in September. Yeah, it's not like Newt Lelouch from Bull Durham anymore, <laughs> you know? Um, and, and you hate that for Seth because, as we talked about, that really hadn't been an issue prior to this season, and – you look at the game against Arkansas, that second and 13 where Milrow threw that floater over the middle to Amari Nyblack to move the chains there on that final possession. Um, you know, Seth gave up a little bit of a pressure there, got hit with a swim move by the Arkansas defensive lineman. But Seth did some good things, too, in review of the game, in the run game. Um, so uh, I, I think he's he's rounding back into form. and. Uh, you know, a guy that, that's been solid, again, as you said, just the shotgun snaps just seem to come out of nowhere this season. Yeah, yeah. I do think McLaughlin's starting to play a little bit better football um, here down the stretch. Alabama certainly needs it. They need it from all those guys up front. But I, I kind of got the sense that the interior OL as a whole uh, maybe gelled a little bit. Jaden Roberts back in there in yeah. that lineup, Travis against Arkansas. Maybe that's helping as well. Did, and, did some good things pulling Jalen Jaden Roberts in the run game and, yeah. and Tyler Booker some too, and even uh, J.C. Latham. They got moving uh, a little bit, a little bit maybe more uh, gap scheme to go along with the zone stuff. A little bit more of a mix that we saw against Arkansas. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Be sure to join Travis and I midweek when we preview the Alabama-Tennessee game. Until then, we'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.